Hey everybody and welcome to week two of the No Aid podcast here at Sony 16 Podcast. Um, we made it through the first week, thank goodness for M and his wit and wisdom. Um, no M this week, but thankfully my wonderful, fantastical co-host Rachel has made it back to our side. Um, and not only Rachel, but we've got a great guest. But first of all, Rachel, where on earth have you been? What's your excuse I know. I'm so sorry, Graham. It's been I've been really sad actually to have uh, to have missed you guys over the last couple of weeks. It's been brilliant and hilarious listening to you uh, stumbling your way through the podcast. Um, and uh, in in answer to your question, it's been a combination of injury and uh, work overload, unfortunately, that um, prevented me from being here the last couple of weeks. Um, so I was really sad to not be able to say goodbye to Aid and wave him off, um, so to speak. Um, but uh, but we've been getting a few little updates haven't we um whilst he's been away and just making sure he's he's alive he hasn't fallen down that ravine that you keep talking about um so i'm really pleased to know that he's uh things seem to be going well um over there in, in bhutan so uh yeah it's good to be back and i'm really excited to obviously speak to our our lovely guest today as well so uh, it should be good good it should be good yeah I'm, I'm slightly concerned about aid because so far the one bit of um storytelling that he's promised us to bring back Promised us, promised to bring us back is um, something that proves how great the Instax SQ10 digital camera <laughs> is. So uh, I'm kind of hoping that yeah. maybe he does fall down a ravine. Um, but anyway, aid aside, let's introduce our splendid guest this week. It's a really nice to have a, a different point of view this week from all these terrible photographers we keep getting on. Um, and instead, we have got Thomas Dukes with us this evening, who is the curator of the Open Eye Gallery in Liverpool. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Probably the best place to start off for people who maybe don't live in Liverpool, like myself, for example, is could you tell us what the Open Eye Gallery is and what you do there? Yeah, sure thing. Sure thing. Uh, so the Open Eye Gallery is, um, yeah, you know, it's a gallery for photography in Liverpool, uh, and I'm the curator there. Uh, Open Eye Gallery has been going for a long time. So this year we're marking our 40th birthday. Um, we started off in 1977, uh, and yeah, I mean, I could I could launch into kind of a long history of uh, where Open Eye came from and its various different venues. We've been uh, around the city of Liverpool, and this is our fourth venue now over at Man Island, down um, between the Three Graces and Tate on the waterfront. That's wonderful. I had no idea that you'd been going for as long as that. That's incredible. Um, uh, okay, well, my first question is how how does a gallery survive for that long because it seems like it's a hard enough industry um anyway but to to last that long specifically fo focusing purely on photography how has the open eye gallery managed to keep going for all that time yeah that's a really good question isn't it um i don't know maybe let's start off with saying that um liverpool is a perfect place to have a photography gallery uh certainly with the um the way that we want to work with photography and the photographers that we work with. Liverpool as a site um, politically and socially has provided kind of the best material and some of the most incredible motivations for photographers to be making work, which has meant that the gallery has stayed relevant and interesting and kind of experimental and really worth having on the, 
Arts Ecology of England. So we're um, Arts Council funded. We were recently uh, awarded our next batch of uh, national portfolio organisation funding, um, along with thank you very much Arts Council and Uplift to deliver the look <laughs> annual. Um, so yeah, I mean from from 1977 when we started, we were funded in part by the council and the Arts Council, and then. It's, it's always just people, isn't it? It's always just the most dynamic directors, um, inspirational curators, fantastic photographers, um, wonderful, wonderful volunteers, uh, and, and brilliant people of Liverpool who want to come and see what we're doing and check it out. Uh, so, question. <laughs> no, that that answers it really, really well. Could you give us some examples of some of the people who have um, exhibited work at your gallery over, well, over the entire history of it? Really, pick out some that even like because I am um, well known on this show for not knowing who anybody is. So let's see if you can name anybody who I've heard of because I'm terrible. I mean, yeah. I mean, we could... So if I name some of like the people, obviously, from whilst I've been involved with the gallery, they're just going to be all kind of like greatest hits of um, some photographers. And I, I really have had the pleasure of working with incredible photographers, thanks to wonderful you know, curators and directors that I've worked with. So, um, for example, the first exhibition that we had in the new Man Island venue um, was Mitch Epstein's American Power. Uh, and this was a series of the most, the most incredible large format, um, beautiful, huge prints that looked at the relationship between America's um, well, power industry, um, you know, electronic, hydroelectronic, uh, oil process, and their, um, their environment, their ecological you know, disasters and the way that they treated people, the way that this industry would come in. Um, we've worked with, I'm trying to think who else, I mean, John, John Stoddart, do you know John at all? I know the name, which is good for me. <laughs> so John, I mean, John Stoddart started out working in Liverpool. He was one of the artists that we were showing in our very first venue. He was um, uh, he was an ex-veteran. He came back and he got a job in Liverpool as a, a postman. So he's spending you know the mornings going around Liverpool, checking out the estates and things, giving people their post, whether they like it or not. And then in the <laughs> afternoon, he'd be going to these same places, uh, seeing the same people and just photographing the living conditions, the working conditions, the different kind of uh, groups, religious groups or kind of social groups that were hanging out there. So you've got you've got kind of a real range going on at the gallery. It's, yeah, it, it's excellent from kind of international artists. Zanelli Maholi challenging kind of um, uh, global problems, inequality, um, the visibility of black LGBTQ plus individuals uh, to kind of really local community-led, uh, interesting, close work as well. So uh, I think the range really keeps it interesting. <laughs> there was um, a female photographer called Phoebe, um, and I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit about her work, because obviously that's somebody that I know that you were um, really, you know, you loved her exhibition and what she did, and it would be nice to hear a little bit about her work as well. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that exhibition for, for ages and talk about Phoebe and all of the artists involved in that, because that was... Um, that was a, a great pleasure to, to work with all of the artists on that exhibition. So that was for Open 2, um, which was last year. I think it was like the spring of last year. So Phoebe Keeley was a photographer. She was at MMU at the time. And she got in touch because, you know, she was doing the thing uh, that photographers should do, which is contact their, uh, their different 
you know, people who are interested in what they're doing, what their work is. So she'd got in touch with me. She'd said, do you want to come and have a little look at our work? It was the MMU degree exhibition. It was their closing exhibition, which is always worth going and checking out anyway. Um, so I said, yeah, you know, that'd be really interesting. Open, uh, our open series of exhibitions is exactly that. It's open for everyone who can submit work or says, come and have a look at my work and consider it for exhibition. So, you know, I had this in my mind, but she'd invited me to go and have a look at the work. So I went over to the degree show and I had a little time before I met her. So I went through the exhibition and there was actually, it was a really good year. And there were some, there were some great photographers in there who obviously I still kind of keep an eye on. But um, having looked through the exhibition, then I, I met her and uh, we were going to go and look at her portfolio. But before that, I was like, oh, well, can you just tell me a little bit about who, who made this work? And she said, oh, that's my work. So it was a, it was a very kind of fortunate, like, um, realizing that I really liked her work anyway. And she had something like, um, uh, this is all going to be wrong, but something like eight uh, really, really gorgeous 16 by 20 inch fiber based uh, black and white prints up on the um just pinned up on the wall with with these very very delicate uh, dressmakers pins, and they were they they were just lush, you know this kind of this quality of um, a black and white on this fiber paper, this um, really warm textural tonal work, and um, she t- she took me and we looked at her portfolio and she, she had. I mean, if not hundreds, it, it was a lot. It was a lot of prints that she'd made in her final year, <laughs> whilst in uh, MMU. Um, and so we, we we got to talking, and I said, "Yes, we'd really like to work with you, and I, I'd love it if you were one of our new photographers that we champion through Open Team and the exhibition." And this this came around, or it, it was perfect timing. There was I had been a very long held dream of mine to have um, a darkroom in the gallery space mm-hmm. so you could actually have a working darkroom in the gallery space it was a real kind of the visitors could come and see this process as the whole part of this photographer's practice and with Phoebe's work it felt like that was that was she was the perfect photographer to use for this her mm-hmm. her practice her way of seeing her way of sharing the world was really tied into this um going back and kind of developing and having the time and and making these prints which like elevate these really kind of everyday moments into mm-hmm. these held like just cross sections of a dream kind of thing um so I got in touch with Ilford and, you know, huge, huge thanks to Neil Hibbs, who was their technical manager there. He was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is going to be fun. I'd love to put a dark room in a gallery. And to me, it felt like, why, why, you know, well, you know, why hasn't this happened yet? This is super fun. And I, I'm, I'm, yeah, undoubtedly wrong in that this already has happened many times before, but it was, um, it was great. Neil was super. He provided all of the, he provided a huge amount of paper and chemicals and the enlarger and all of the kind of the lights, the, the, uh, the clocks. Um, we, we looked at how we could build a, 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 a sort of single person dark room in the gallery space. And the idea was that Phoebe would be able to um, make work, make new work, come into the dark room, uh, print uh, in front of people. And then the exhibition would change. The exhibition wouldn't just be the static selection of 10 or so images, but rather would be this kind of organic, growing, ongoing process, which, 
you know, how much more fun is that when an exhibition is going to be <laughs> changing throughout the, the course of its life? Um, mm. And again, I, I, I perhaps didn't appreciate how much Phoebe was going to get behind this and thought that she'd be in kind of maybe once, twice a fortnight or something, but she was in like three or four times a week, just like rinsing through this expensive paper. <laughs> it was exactly <laughs> what to do. Um, and we, we'd set the dark room up so that there was a way you could kind of um, knock your way in if you wanted to see when Phoebe was there. But again, thanks, Ilford kind of came and said, well, you could install um, a little infrared camera in there, which would mean that you could have a screen on the outside so people could watch her printing, which, which we did, which was, yeah, absolutely excellent. And um, there's a wonderful sort of set of stills from... Uh, the light night of that year. So light night's this big mm. event in Liverpool where um, the cultural institutions stay open later. It's normally around uh, May the 18th, May the 19th. And you hold some kind of event, you put something on. And there's these big crowds that go around. I thought, yeah, excellent. You know, I'll have Phoebe in there. She'll be, she'll be printing. It'll be something I can just drop in and see. And maybe, you know, naively didn't put any controls around it. And um, there's a couple of photos of her in a dark room, kind of in this really thoughtful meditative space going around her printing and around kind of 20 people just peering over her shoulder, like, uh, yeah, like zombie horde kind of image. <laughs> um, and that, you know, that, that's been one of those relationships with a photographer that's um, just kept on being really rewarding and inspirational and staying, staying in touch with Phoebe. Um, She's making, you know, really wide-ranging, exceptional new work, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's fine to say that she's got, or she's working on a publication with Mac now for next year. Yeah, keep your eyes out; it's going to be, going to be lovely. <laughs> it was so nice, like having a working dark room in a gallery space was, um, and you know, we could run, we could run workshops, we could run demonstrations, um, yeah, m more like that. <laughs> Actually, on that, on that I, I've been chatting with um, James over at Oriel Wrexham, who's who's looking to do a similar kind of thing next year. So that'll be that'll be decent. That's wonderful. I mean, I know that your gallery um, displays the work. It's not, by no means a analog photography only gallery. Um, that said, I don't think it would have been quite as visually engaging for the visitors if you just had somebody sat in front of a pc using uh, photoshop so plus one for film i guess um but no that that is really awesome i i i just i i love where the you took all of that and um and also i'm just really pleased to hear that uh she was making the very best of all opportunities like oh i'm gonna get my money's worth out of this i'm gonna use all of your stuff <laughs> so yeah that's great yeah 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 i mean that's that's kind of what you want. It's um, it's good. And I, I, you know, I was listening to um, one of your episodes from the other day talking about like, was it was it you or Aid rinsing through the Instax film just because you've got sponsorship, so you're going to use it, you know? Like that's, that's that was at that yeah. It was actually it was an event I was doing down in London, and it was the first time I met Aid in person. So we'd uh, I'd brought him along as my second shooter uh, on the on the evening in question, and uh, and I basically said, well, this is what the client have paid for, and this is what they want. So let's just shoot through it. And he was just you know like a kid at Christmas, you know, <laughs> totally in his element. I was like, here you go, here's like ten boxes of Instax film. Just go for your life. Let's just get through it. We'll blast through it. So. Uh, 
so he, yeah. I think that was most reckless he felt <laughs> was sort of like tearing these packets of film open and being like yeah chuck it in the camera quick shoot 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 more so um I think to be fair if you put film and paper in front of an analog photographer they're going to be like yep let's go for it <laughs> unless you're like Graham and it takes you maybe three months to shoot a roll of 24 <laughs> that's on a good day <laughs> look that fair to say <laughs> slowly slowly catchy monkey um Thomas <laughs> I want to ask you, because you've talked about sort of two very different ends of the um, kind of people you've had displaying stuff at the guys. You've had these very well-known big names sharing retrospectives of their work. And then you've had things like the last piece you were talking about, which is somebody new coming to the scene. And I'm guessing that the process of deciding which work is displayed is very different for both of those. Can you give us a bit of an idea, I suppose, more with a view to the people who aren't the big established well-known names how how are you finding that work is it a lot of the times people oh actually there's another question i need to ask for what does mmu stand for because i haven't got a clue and i doubt very many other people do either yes sorry manchester metropolitan university thank you so so is it a lot of um, students getting in touch? Are you getting constant inquiries from photographers and artists or, or are you having to seek out much stuff yourself? It's a, it's a, it's a mix. <laughs> I like absolutely everything would be. I don't know. I, I probably don't get as many, um, I don't get as much contact from students as I would expect, really. I, I get a lot of submissions and a lot of people use the submissions form and it's... Uh, it's it's hard not to gush really about how um, how wonderful it is that people want to kind of share their work and they've been working on a project and it's been this real kind of private passion for them and then they want to send in this form that asks them all these questions and then a selection of 10 images and I get to kind of really indulge in looking through loads and loads of different projects. Um, but was your next question sort of how can how how does that selection process work around new photographers or sort of um, early career photographers in in getting into gallery kind of well, thing? So you, you mean you've given yeah. us quite a good so there's, obviously there's there is a pathway there so you this is on um, I would imagine the Open Eye Gallery website so there is a, a submission form there that yeah. just anyone can go to and fill in so those come through to you. And then you're going to sit down and go through. So yeah, talk us through that. Talk us through what kind of things that you're getting, um, and and how you approach deciding what's going to work and what isn't going to work for the gallery. Yeah. Um, so um, in terms of like things that we're getting, it's the range is from sublime to ridiculous. Like it's some really ridiculous <laughs> work and some really really sublime work and. Some work you look at it and you think this is like outstanding, kind of in terms of um, really, really coherent project, really, really sort of straight up way of um, what you want to communicate. You're you're able to put the shape of it, put the map of it together, and then visually you're communicating it perfectly. Um, but then how that selection works and how things get into the gallery is where um, things get a bit different because it can. It isn't, and it should never be just what I like, uh, what Thomas Dukes, me as a person, kind of finds interesting on any particular you know, day or a month. I'm, I'm always thinking about the, the gallery audience. I'm always thinking about our visitors and uh, the different communities that we're beholden to to put on the most 
you know, interesting, uh, worthwhile show in Open Eye Gallery. And then, you know, there are there are so many um, form not forms. There's so many shapes that the exhibition has to fit into. For for example, you know, the, the, there are only four long run exhibitions per year, and in that time, we have a number of um, things that Arts Council helpfully. Um, directors to doing and you know excellence um uh, accessibility to all uh, children and young people talent development and there's a it's a very kind of careful selection process as to what we're going to do and what we're going to put on in the gallery space and that's such a finite space and when you see all of the different people and uh, work the different cultural like organizations working around liverpool you really want to kind of um do something that's unique and something that connects to the rest of the city and something that's going to um, be right for all of those different people that we're working for. We're a, we're a space in which uh, photography can try and inspire, can try and challenge, can, you know, we can develop the area, the realm of photography is this uh, space for people to feel comfortable um contesting um, the issues of their lives or uh, celebrating the the victories in their lives and you know first and foremost we're there for the people in Liverpool our visitors the creative community and then a number of other communities to whom you know we, we're really there for um, so then how does you know how does uh, work come to be in the show it, it needs to fit it just needs to <laughs> fit in with what we're doing our program like the, the different ways i mean it really is a case of i see so many you know interesting incredible projects that you just say i would love to work with you on this but there's no there's no space i mean um you know esther teichman um i had a fantastic meeting with her she um she's a tutor at oh god lcc st martin something like this uh, and she was showing me her latest project and it was just fantastic the, the whole thing the, the look of it the feel of it the the works that she produced around it but there was just it's like when when we can work with you i will <laughs> so it's i think it's the same for for people like you know esther teichman corinne silver as someone like phoebe or a new student or photographer let me know what you're doing <laughs> be in touch tell me what's exciting you tell me what direction you're going to be going in show me your work have some way that i can um, be in touch with you and just just email saying hey with like a, a web link and say i'm I'm particularly interested in this, and then that way, if there's some space in the in the in the program, if there's some direction that we're going in, if I'm, you know, if I'm thinking about a project on uh, the selfie, the self online, and young people's identity in three years' time, then I'm going to be thinking, ah, and I know a photographer who's interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, that's great. That's really useful. Um, how? How important is it for photographers when they are sending their work for you to to have a really cohesive idea behind their photographs versus, say, just the quality of the individual images? It is so fucking important. It is so important. I can't stress. Like, I, I, I feel that universities should have um, like a really clear module of talking to people about your work that just helps photographers talk about their work. Uh, that's not to say that I, I don't just like straight away flick a you know submission into the bin if they're not really uh, elegant and coherent and concise in what they're saying about their projects. But if you can tell me clearly and 
and straight what your work is about and what is driving your work and your interests and the direction that you've taken to explore these interests and why why photographically, why you've used this medium in particular, then I'm going to have far better understanding of where your work fits in the context of contemporary photography, how it fits in a, in a cultural scene, who's going to be connected to it. It, it makes a really big difference. And yeah, like, like I say, it's not okay. It's not like a binary yes and no. If it's not clear, I won't accept it. I really realize that a lot of people for whom visual communication is the space that they've developed, maybe necessarily don't communicate verbally or um, in the written kind of form flawlessly. But it, it does help so much. The amount of um, the amount of projects that you see that straight away in the first paragraph, there's about sort of seven transcendental Freudian dream based concepts, and you just say, I, I don't see how you're gonna like, <laughs> I don't see how you're gonna realise this without losing everyone except a philosophy masters on acid. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I love that because I think anybody who's spent enough time looking at any pictures has read that kind of bullshit at some point or another. Um, I mean, yeah. you you have been very glowing about all the submissions that people send to you, um, but I'm sure that there are submissions that come through which fall short in some way or another um there's yeah. something in their approach what are the more common um mistakes or omissions that people are making that they could remedy if they kind of knew about it that's a yeah okay that's a good question because some that may be fall short of um standards such as quality is not therefore a massive barrier to entry like if they've used word to kind of use to produce a strange collage or something like that. I'm not saying that technically it has to be flawless. I think the maybe the the biggest one that I see submissions come in is um, overly familiar imagery. You know the the, the similar kind of um, high contrast shots of um, Liverpool waterfront. You you know, you've, you've got to realize the, the context that you're working in. Look at who else is making work in that way. Because, you know, you, what's the, you may be submitting a, a project that's already been made far better. And you, you may not be adding to it in any particular way. And a bit of research and kind of doing your diligence on what your project's about and being able to kind of spend a lot of time with that project and look around a little bit may help you move into a, a new space or may help you develop your project into a, uh, yeah, a unique sort of uh, area. So maybe over-familiar imagery is definitely one of them. Um, and the second would be uh, thinking about the audience, <laughs> which um, which photographers maybe um, and maybe the education system and maybe kind of the, the community has a part to play in remedying this. But thinking about who wants to see this and why maybe is kind of a real late comer into the why you're making a project so it might be that you do actually you know you're a massive freudian fan and that you really want to kind of drive home this idea of of concepts but then what what's how are you communicating that to your audience and what audience are you going to connect to you know it's yes we're a photography gallery but we're a photography gallery with a particular set of um like ideas around the work that we show and you might be you might be sort of pigeonholing yourself too much. Consider how people are going to come to your project and how they're going to find your project. But, uh, yeah. 
this this is um this is something that i can help with and this is my job kind of thing to so just if you've got a good project just just get in touch and i might write back and say and then jillian waring did it you know <laughs> yeah on the whole would you say that you get fewer submissions than you would expect or or even like to get or are you quite overwhelmed with stuff coming in um arguably i receive fewer submissions that i might um yeah expect but that's not so, yeah i'm not overwhelmed i get plenty <laughs> i get yeah. plenty of submissions um but like i say you know these there are there are a lot of students and there are a lot of photography courses in the northwest and it would be nice if more well <laughs> i would expect to see more of them kind of um bothering me really and that's and that's what i'm there for and you know i i can't reply to everyone but it'd be nice to to hear a few more um what what benefits do you think can be brought to photographers by sharing their work you 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 guys are obviously you're a big player you are a um (laughs) you know you are a a, not all gallery showings are going to be quite on the level of the open eye gallery in liverpool um i really want photographers to succeed like that's I, I want photography to um, to to grow. I want more people to um, come to photography as this this communication where they can share their lives and the interests. So I, I want more photographers making excellent work and showing in Liverpool, the Northwest, the UK, internationally. I am here to to fully cheerlead for photography, and I want to support photographers. So if you, you know, if, if when people come and they say oh I've, I've, I've been working on this project if i can connect them to someone else be it a publication um a, a sort of you know real short run exhibition uh, a blog just someone else who's interested that's that's like the easiest thing i can do i can say yep you know we're programmed up there are no opportunities for us to work together on this one you know it's a great shame though because your work is bringing a real new angle to this I know someone who's particularly interested in this. They're looking at doing a show. It's not exclusively photography, so let me put you in touch. And that connection part is um, is kind of like an easy one that we can bring, or that kind of um, that critical or yeah, critical understanding of the context or the landscape of um, photography, be it you know funding or project based at this time. Potentially, I can I can bring that along as well. And so, if someone says, "Oh, I'm I'm working on this," what do you think? And if it's something that I've got time and I can kind of help them, I'll I'll, I'll write back quickly and say, "Oh, you know, maybe you should consider exploring this, or maybe you should get this person in, have a chat with this person." So, hopefully, what I can do is just help. <laughs> hopefully, I can just help get more photographers making work, showing work, and being part. Maybe um, I'm trying to think we. When when the current director, Sarah Fisher, came in to Open Eye Gallery, she's been incredible to work with and it's been kind of like a, a whirlwind of, of growth and development and ways of working. And it's it's incredibly inspiring. But we were talking about um, the breadth of commissions and we were talking about who commissions photography um, and the photographers that they go to for their commissions. And I don't know, it was kind of some kind of rambling over drinks kind of conversation and we eventually decided that we'd just um, fundraise a huge amount to, to have all of the takeaways in Liverpool have kind of top-end professional photographers rework their visual merchandising. So you'd have 
Vivian Sasson making like Nabsy's burger and pizza joint menus, and you'd have um, yeah, you know Mishka's highly conceptual um, Tito's chicken bar, and and you'd just photography as a communication like area is is not misunderstood by a lot of commissioners, and we've worked with you know NHS Mersey Care, um, Crisis, the homelessness charity. Uh, stick and step conductive education for people living with cerebral palsy and we're, we're just trying to make more and more people aware that photography can be a, um, a, a worthwhile commission to start making new projects making new um, work and communication so it's uh, yeah hopefully we can broaden that out as well and then get more jobs for photographers <laughs> yeah no that's wonderful go on Rach. Um, I was just going to say, Thomas, there was um, a really interesting uh, project uh, recently, the Culture Shifts um, um, project. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that, because that was obviously working with um, a variety of photographers in different communities as well, and how how the gallery links up with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. That was that was a really big project, and like mm. uh, straight away, uh, huge shout outs to Elizabeth Viviora, who's been the creative producer on that project, and a vast amount of work to do. And undoubtedly, her email inbox is probably like way over kind of fifteen gig capacity from just that. So, Culture Shifts was um, a two part, long run uh, strategic touring uh, bid funded two exhibitions the first one being culture shifts global uh, and that one launched in april of this year as part of the look 17 festival and then more recently um launching on october the 5th so it's open now culture shifts local uh, and the idea of culture shifts was to to really root photography in the city so that it was um for our 40th birthday um, and Culture Shifts Global, wonderful. You know, as part of Look Festival, we collaborated with um, the Ying Kwok, curator from Hong Kong. We worked with uh, two artists from Hong Kong who were able to come over to Liverpool, uh, Wobik Wong and Luke Ching, and make work in residency here uh, about the city. And um, it was kind of about gentrification or the the moving development of the city shifting from, say, you know, post-industrial to a more service-based industry. But then Culture Shifts Local, Culture Shifts Local worked with, um, so it was in the Liverpool city region, which is six local authorities. Um, we worked with seven different partners. So there was like the Atkinson, the Brindley, uh, the Williamson, St. Helens, um, Heart of Glass, Kirby Centre, and oof, maybe it's just, ooh, and Granby Community Land. Uh, we worked with 10 different communities in those spaces and 11 photographers. But and I, I, that's, I know that's a lot of numbers and I always kind of start tours with saying, yeah, there's loads of numbers involved. It's one really, really simple idea, which is photography as a space to look at what brings us together the pressures that make people come together and how we can explore how that can you know, grow, how that can stay together. Um, so it's putting photographers, uh, the expertise of a photographer, at the um, centre of a community who want to talk about what it is to be them, what it is that's uh, made their community cohesive, what it is that brings them all together. Um, so we could start off with a really kind of good example of a project that's been rolling on, which was uh, Tig Devlin and the Surf Dementia Network. 
So Tyg Devlin is a photographer who works up at Hubert, which is our closest um, college, which offers a degree in photography. And we started, well, we, we obviously work with Hubert, this uh, college, quite closely because we should. <laughs> they're, they're the closest college to offer a degree. We're a photography gallery. So we, we go to sort of crits with their third years. We try and put on their third year exhibition if we have um, kind of like lab space in the middle of galleries. And we wanted to work with TIG. And um, we were working with the SURF Dementia Network. That stands for Service Users Reference Forum who are a group of people living with dementia, um, can be early onset dementia, who are in communications with NHS Mersey Care about how well they're being served. So very simple, service users reference forum, they feed back to NHS how well they're being looked after. And we wanted to put these two groups together and, and the group wanted to use TIG, they wanted to use the expertise of a photographer to better communicate what it was like living with dementia. And the, vis the this kind of visual communication seemed to be the best way to to make kind of like big staged metaphors or to kind of glitch out an image of what it looks like when you're trying to cross a road or to make to really make these stories more uh, communicated to make them felt much better. So currently in the gallery we have this massive work of um, one of the people in the group, Gina in a disused library with books kind of flying all around her. And she's talking about what it feels like when she wants to use a word that she can't think of. And it feels like this kind of language is just flying all around her. Uh, she talks about how people try and quite naturally, helpfully suggest these words and how it feels that this doesn't help. Like if she doesn't catch the word, then it's just another way of it slipping further away if people suggest it. So there's this huge kind of staged image, beautifully lit in this deserted old library. The library is kind of crumbling and the books are flying everywhere and she's reaching up to catch them. And we use this, we use this image in exhibition. We've used it um, in Tate Exchange when we were running a week on um, dementia awareness. And we're using it in the gallery at the moment. And... And Gina says, or there's a, there's a quote up by the image where Gina says, you know, this, this is me. This really communicates what it is like being me when I'm looking for a word. And it's very much, um, it's very much a showcase image. That image is part of a wider collection of work with the Surf Dementia Network um, made by Tig. They, they released it in a, in a newspaper form. You can kind of come and pick up a newspaper in Open Eye Gallery, which has work from all of the people who were making work with Tig just communicating what it's like just telling their stories and it's it's a it's a really accessible open way that someone um, people families who are, have experience of living with people with dementia can just get a bit closer can yeah share some understanding and much of um culture shifts local is around that a lot of culture shifts local is about putting photographers into these groups of people so they can better express their histories like you know, their hopes for the future where they've come from what they're doing how how yeah how they're working it's yeah it's been great it's been a big big project and it's been incredibly rewarding <laughs> is there anything i think it's just it's fascinating isn't it really how we can use photography in so many different ways to to connect you know industries that are completely separate you know so from healthcare and dementia and what have you you know to sort of other other aspects of our sort of like social and economic sort of uh, lives and uh, and i just think it is always really 
um interesting how that can we can use that one tool you know as photography and as photographers to bring all of these different ideas together um so thank you for talking us through that thomas that was uh, really really helpful that's yeah. fine and it's also it's it's i mean i think it also goes a long way towards answering the first question i had of of how the open eye gallery has managed to last all this time and it's because it's so much more than just here are some pictures hung on a wall come and look at them or mm-hmm. don't um what you're doing there and how you're interacting with the community and the photographers and and bringing it all together it's um <laughs> it's an incredible facilitator of the medium really um that's all really wonderful i suppose the the, the last question i want to ask before we go and have a break is some advice for somebody in your position a lot of our listeners, um, we've got all sorts of different kinds of and levels of photographers listening to the show. But for somebody who, you know, somebody like me who is, um, let's say, a bit crap, um, or, or just you know, a, an average hobbyist photographer who is thinking that they they might like to try and show their work somewhere, whether it's a village hall, where it's whatever. What oh, advice yes. would you give to somebody who hasn't? hasn't shown any work before but would maybe like to try and take that step i'd say yes do it like right now go and show work in a village hall there's nothing more exciting than showing work in somewhere that you're not meant to like necessarily show photography like yeah do it cafe village hall waiting room like the most unshowable place go and do it um then i mean if you want to talk about you know presentation and display mechanisms that's that's great. We can just do that forever. <laughs> Don't mind doing that. Make some, make some nice prints and then work out what the best way it is that you're going to like tell that story. I mean, even that saying make some nice prints, you know, a lot of our, you know, you can print on, do you know, blueback, that blueback paper, the paper that you kind of put up on a billboard. It's like paste up paper. You can get a massive blueback print for, for really affordable. You could cover a whole wall in like one of your pieces or you could um, print vinyl, print like six by fours and magnet them up, you know, do a full Wolfgang Tillmans on it, print onto a sheet and like hang it from a doorway. I, I love it. I mean, it's, it, that's, that's just, um, that's got to be on a case by case basis of like, what's your work? Uh, is it, is it in frame? Is it out of frame? Is it on you know, paper? Is it G clay? Is it, you know, C type? Um, then display techniques are just a laugh. I like, <laughs> I obviously, that. you know, there's, there's room for all of that, but if, yeah, I, I, that's, I, that's I, really good to know because I think I think the thing is sometimes all of these all of these terms and this you know sort of terminology can be quite uh, can be quite scary you know for, for somebody who's not in that industry who who basically goes out and thinks oh you know I've got some nice images and what have you but taking that step and not understanding that industry speak necessarily shall we say uh, or that jargon for it it's like that that can be a real block to somebody actually going and getting their work out there because they're thinking yeah. i have no idea how to make that step <laughs> so it's great to know you know if it was somebody like yourself that they could come to and ask or have advice from or is there are there any other sort of um, places that you might say to people to send them to to find yeah. out how to go about that <laughs> I mean, not you know, unless you just just get in touch with either an educational facility or mm-hmm. or us and just say, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. And again, like I can't I can't possibly reply to everyone, but there's enough, you know, there's enough interested people or camera clubs or you know groups who want to look at printing and things that, that you could easily, oops, sorry, that you could easily find someone who's going to talk to you about that. And yeah, I think 
I, th- I think printing work, you've got to look at how what your work is and what you're trying to say with your work and as to what the best way to put it up is. And then the constraints of the place. That's it's it's great fun. What word do you want to hang in a village hall, Brian? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Not mine, that's for sure. <laughs> what I like about what you've just said about that is that really it, it sounds like the message is kind of that it's almost exactly the same as it is with when you're creating your photographs. If you want to create an exhibition make it your exhibition you, there's not necessarily one way of doing it it's like well no if you've got an idea for how you want to do this then just go and do it and don't wait for somebody to give you permission to do it just yeah. find a way and make it happen and make it yours and um yeah uh, that's that's really cool um yeah. more people should be showing their work i think that's one thing we can definitely all agree <laughs> with from this conversation well thank you for all that awesome information thomas you're going to stick with us i i hope you know well we're not going to let you go so that's by the by um but we will take a break <laughs> now and when we come back we will try and get to the bottom of why rachel skived off for the last two weeks <laughs> We're back. Uh, and what I want to know, Rachel, is where on earth you have been over the last couple of weeks because uh, you, you left me with M, of all people, M. <laughs> oh, well, I actually really enjoyed listening to you, uh, you guys having a chat last week, or should I say, M talking to you <laughs> probably more more accurate um uh, i uh, i was particularly interested in the fact that y- yourself and aid were supposed to be somehow flying jets somewhere or or picking up the uh, the keys to some uh, to some new planes or something and figuring out how to get those going that was that was interesting yeah. um yeah have you have you worked out how to how to start a 747 yet <laughs> I, I, I like to do things, you know, on the job. So I'm assuming that this was a kind of coded way of M, who, as we all know, is a reclusive billionaire, is that he's going to send <laughs> us some planes. Um, I just figure, like, uh-huh. work out as you go along. That's how I do it with the cameras. It's like, well, what does this button do? What does this button do? It'd be fine. This is how we deal with life, isn't it? Um, yes. So uh, mine has been equally sort of chaotic. Uh, I've been here, there and everywhere with, with work. Um been there's bits of freelance video um event stuff at the uh, museum of science and industry that was that was nice working with um a webcasting crew that i've worked with previously um i had oh i had to take some uh, some work over to the williamson art gallery um thomas mentioned uh, the williamson before as well i think uh, it was part of their culture shifts um uh, project as one of the places where the work was expl- um was displayed uh, this was actually from the birkenhead library um project that i did it was also arts council funded um when i was doing like a three-day residency and doing workshops with the uh, with a group of children um made a pop-up dark room in the basement of the old children's library down in the spooky basement that was a lot of fun um so from that i basically took um took some of their uh, work that they'd made some of their pinhole photographs from cameras that i'd show them how to build so that we'd built cameras uh, they'd taken some um sort of paper negative prints uh from that and i converted that into like a positive created that acetate into like a floating frame and then took that over to the williams art gallery so that is now up and we had the exhibition launch on the 20th of october um unfortunately i couldn't go to that because i was doing some another job somewhere else on the on the 20th um but i know that it happened and that the lady from the library who 
person who'd been uh, amazing at kind of like pulling it all together hadn't quite realized quite as many people were going to arrive I don't think so uh, she was like goodness me I keep just getting like replies saying yes I'm going to be there I'm going to be there so uh, they had to just keep on shipping in more chairs so that there were enough there was enough space for everybody to sit um at the uh, at the exhibition launch so that was really nice um that's currently still up at the moment um and what else have I been up to oh yes um I was out busy on Saturday night I got back about two o'clock on Sunday morning that was um that was from a fundraising gala event at the local Victorian uh, sort of glass house um that was a lot of fun lots of you know sort of like circus acts and people on stilts and all sorts of challenging um circumstances that I was trying to shoot so um uh, I was obviously taking quite a lot using my my digital camera for that um because of the the lighting which was pretty much just candlelight um but we did i know yeah very very tough um but we did also have a little setup um uh, to one side underneath the palms um where we were doing sort of instant souvenir photos and that kind of thing so it's nice to still be at least shooting a little bit of film um even you know sort of at a corporate uh, kind of event and um um what else oh yes uh, i went and did a a teen makers workshop so sort of like introductory uh, class into um analog and using things like the impossible or should i say the polaroid originals now as it is uh, as they've merged um the instant labs that they they created but also showing people how to make cyanotypes and pinhole viewers and all sorts of things just as a like introduction to that as part of the um october half term and that was over in uh, Wigan and that was at the um, like the maker hub that they have there on Library Street. So uh, it was a nice group of teenage girls and it was it was about getting them interested and involved in all sorts of um, sort of new um, makery digital or analog um, uh, sort of like um projects that kind of thing um so that was really good fun and in the middle of that i managed to squeeze in a couple of days so i went away with some friends um to a sort of mansion house so away in the middle of nowhere um and i took along my my new uh, well new to me and it was an old uh, olympus xa i've been looking for one for ages for absolutely ages and um um somebody uh, somebody had uh, had an old one that they uh, they've sort of donated to me so that's really really nice so I got to go and, and try that out test that out it's because it qu- it's quite old and it's been it's sort of in an attic it needed a little bit of um TLC to get it working again but it seems to be seems to be working okay now I uh, I actually used um an old expired roll of Kodak um 400 um which I got from the Imaginorium I actually won that as like um a pack of expired film uh this was maybe a couple of months ago um and I thought oh that would be that'd be good I might as well use that take that and see see what comes out and uh I seem to have some images hooray (laughs) so I just need to get them scanned in always good always good to know um so that was a that was lovely to actually be able to go out and shoot with a new camera with some new old film as well and just not know what the hell was going to come out if anything was going to come out and uh, and I did actually get some images so that was lovely um and last but not least I also went to do a workshop called for an inset day which is um in sort of schools and things they have a day where the teachers go and basically learn about new things that they might want to introduce into the curriculum and I'd been um commissioned by the one of the local 
um, art companies um, that we have here called Dot Art to go along and deliver some workshops. So I went along and did it as analog photographic processes in the art curriculum. curriculum um which is easier to say if you do it a little bit slower (laughs) you don't want to try and like rush through that um so i went and did some workshops with their with the the teachers who who turned up at the uh, the school in question and it is absolutely terrifying can i say to uh, to try and deliver a lesson to a room full of teachers i mean i can't think of anything more stressful <laughs> um but uh, i managed to make my way through it and they all seemed to really enjoy it so that was good and uh, hopefully i've managed to um encourage some of them to squeeze a little bit more analog um photography into uh, into their art classes so uh, so you never know we might end up with a few dark rooms coming back into action and that kind of thing so that's my that's my mission really is uh, is to make sure that it's it's more available um as as like a, a you know a creative output and an option um for for kids uh, in schools and things so there we go so i've been up to all of that kind of stuff and and other other bits and pieces um but that hopefully gives you a bit of an overview of why i've not been around for a couple of weeks um as well so uh, i'll take a breath now and graham you can tell us your news what have you been up to? Uh, oh, I've been so uh, I've done nothing uh, as per usual. Um, <laughs> I think the most uh, that I've done over the last week is because AIDS away. Uh, it fell to me to um, take responsibility for Twitter this week, <laughs> and uh, uh, as AIDS not here, I'll issue my formal apology now. Sorry, AIDS, I may have totally ruined your Twitter feed forever. Um, but you know what you're gonna <laughs> oh, do. Dear. Um, Do you know, I did mean to say, actually, Filmtober has been really good um, fun um, as well. I know that you and Aid, in my absence, did did discuss that, but I had been enjoying that on Twitter. And I don't know, I've seen that you've sort of um, got got on board a little bit with that. You've been uh, been following a few bits and pieces um, on on that Twitter Twitter thread. I don't know um, if Tom Thomas has um, much. Well, he's quite an analog presence, less than uh, a digital online presence, I think. <laughs> Post him Twitter posts by mail. Yes. <laughs> um, Thomas, I'm really because Rachel's obviously doing a lot with the youth. Um, and you were saying that because of all the funding you get from the Arts Council, that you know, there's certain things that you kind of need to think about when you're doing, doing your work. Has that involved much outreach with the younger peoples? Uh, it does, yeah. It, it has included much outreach with the younger peoples. But we, we try and have um, a series of, say, workshops or events that uh, appeal to all ages, families, like uh, various different levels of ability with, uh, with photography. Um, working with schools has its own challenges. Yeah, definitely, like uh, all the DBS forms and things like this and the, the sort of you know, freight ship-like speed of um, educational institutions to move around on things mean that uh, it can be quite difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've worked a bit with young people, children and young people, definitely. What kind of stuff have you found has been particularly uh, engaging for them? I mean, Rachel's workshops <laughs> tend to be the most <laughs> most popular uh, events that we do. Good, or- good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Thomas. <laughs> That or um, things where there's um, yeah things where there's a kind of instant output that you can see. So um, I think we're running oh, a, you had a you had a ball pit, didn't you, in the gallery as well? That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, less photographic, more a bit of a laugh. 
Yeah, we th- had a- <laughs> Thanks, Rach. Real helpful. <laughs> Thomas cues us up with an almost perfect segue, and you throw a ball pit into the mix. Rachel, you're fired. Yeah, you know, what's going on? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they filled the whole. They filled the whole gallery with with balls, though, didn't you? That, that would have been great. That's like a sort of Tate St. Ives gallery full of balloons vibe. No, no, it was um, it was like a huge ball pit, adults ball pit out in the atrium. So we've we've got a really interesting space where the gallery is, and there's um, sort of like a covered public space outside the gallery, which there was a, a gigantic ball pit in, which adults could go and lose their car keys, wallets, and hats. <laughs> like for half was an hour. A- so was this a fundraising thing at the end of it? You just emptied out and took all the loose change from the bottom of it. That, that's it. What, what <laughs> cars have been parked around the gallery for longer than two weeks, going and pressing oh. the buttons. I think work that's like kind of um, that has instant feedback tends to go really well with young people. So, like the um, uh, what are they, the, the cyanotypes, the solarium type kind of work. Or we've got a painting with light workshop coming up on the 5th, which will just be really kind of instant feedback. Grab one of those little light painters and take a long um, long exposure that's linked to a laptop so you can kind of instantly see. Awesome. That's wonderful. And that leads on perfectly to the next section. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we mentioned on the show that we'd had uh, contact from our good friend, um, Cole Miller uh, at CD Miller on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere, um, who had who was the proud recipient of one of the new Polaroid One Step Two instant cameras for instant feedback. Hence the splendid segue which Rachel balls up. Uh, <laughs> I thank you. Um, and so I, at the time, may have insinuated that uh, Cole wouldn't get this done. He said he's going to do a review for us and an unboxing, and um, and he's done it for us. So, without any further ado, we shall slam that in right here. Hello, it's uh, me, Colin. Um, so several weeks back, I promised that I'd be reviewing the um, new One Step Two camera from Polaroid Originals. Uh, originally, that's uh, impossible project for um, those of you that haven't been paying attention. Um, now, last week or the week before, um, Graham said it was unlikely that you'd get this review because I'm quote unreliable end quote. Um, now, the interesting thing is, I I went to check what Graham said, um, but annoyingly, I I couldn't hear it because the podcast feed wasn't working at the time so either my computer was being unreliable or um, the Sunny 16 servers were being unreliable so essentially I think everyone is being a bit unreliable so but um, yeah anyway I digress on to the review itself right so to get things going um, I'm going to go through what is in the box now it's uh, it's quite a nice box um basically it's uh yeah it's got like the polaroid sort of uh rainbow on the top on the lid and on the sides it's all nice pictures of the camera against the white backdrop so let me open it i have of course already opened it and played with it but i put everything back in because i knew i'd be doing this so inside the box uh there's the old plastic bag that the camera was in Right, so there wasn't much in there really. There was a camera strap which I've attached, 
uh, simple really to do that and there was also like a USB lead for charging it. Um, the other thing that obviously is in there is an instruction manual and also a, I think it's like a, I don't know, a postcard or something with the uh, support telephone numbers and also something about the SX70 sonar um, which you can probably get on their website because I know they do refurbished uh, vintage cameras at extortionate prices so if you've got more money than me then you can probably get one of them um, I say that's what's in the box obviously there's the camera as well um, I went for the graphite finish which uh, I, I preferred for some reason some of you may prefer the the lighter one which I think is white or like a cream color um, now the camera itself obviously it's only 110 pounds or just under so naturally it's a plastic finish um, it's very simple in terms of what you can do with it you've got uh, an exposure control which has a negative and a plus and obviously that bit in the middle um, as far as your manual controls go that is it um, the other thing, obviously you've got the on off switch um, there's also an infrared light meter I guess which is um, I imagine for when you want to use like an external flash on slave mode perhaps, I'm not quite sure I've not tried it, the annoying thing is you still only get 8 shots per pack and they're still 15 quid each for the pack so I'm not really willing to kind of experiment and waste photos at the moment um, it's quite easy to load film it's very similar to the other sort of Polaroid cameras I guess um, it uses iType and 600 as well so you've got the choice of the new film or the classic 600 series film um, it's got that I don't know if any of you are familiar but basically the 600 series film for Impossible Project um, was really light sensitive I believe in the early stages of it and to get around it they introduced like this tongue thing so like when it spits out the film it would cover the back of it so you could quickly put it in darkness like put it in your pocket or whatever um, so the One Step 2 retains that I don't know if the original One Step had that um, it probably did I don't know but yeah overall the camera itself is is quite yeah it's quite good I suppose for £100 it feels solid enough but it doesn't despite being plastic it doesn't feel cheap and horrible um, so yeah, that's sort of my feelings on that. Um, obviously there's a flash on it. Um, I've not shot without the flash. There is a button that switches the flash off, but I'm too scared, again, to waste a shot doing that. <laughs> Let's say £15 a pack of film is not cheap. Um, speaking of the film itself, um, the quality is actually pretty good. I have to say, the, I've got basically three rolls of iType, or three packs of iType rather, and it's kind of uh, the obviously I'm still you know trying to get my head around the exposure levels. Um, I took a couple of photos outside, and a lot of them are very bright. Um, but indoors with the flash, I think is where I've got the best results. Um, I've mainly just taken photos of my kids so far. Um, I was due to do a shoot the other day, but I had to cancel because I wasn't feeling too well. Um, but yeah, the color. Basically, I've got two, yeah, two packs of colour and one pack of black and white. So far, I've only shot one pack of colour and I'm halfway through the black and white one. Um, but the first impressions, the colour ones, it's a vast improvement on the 600 series from Impossible Project. Now, I've got a Polaroid 
600 ASF or AF, I think. I'm not quite sure what it's called, but it looks like a blue handbag. It's disgusting. But it basically, the results from that camera, um, whether it's the camera or the 600 series film, I can't say, but there was always some form of light leak. Um, now, with the I-type film, it's actually pretty, it's a 100% improvement on that. I'm not seeing any um, light leaks at all but what I need to do really is buy some 600 series film um, perhaps for my i-type uh, for my one step two and see how that comes out um, but yeah I have to say I'm, I'm quite impressed with the the color film it's you know there's a little bit of discoloration in some things perhaps where you know where you, you don't get the option of white balance I guess generally I'm quite impressed with it it's not too bad uh, when we come, when it comes to the black and white film, this is where I've, I've seen the biggest improvement. I've shot with two packs of 600 um, Impossible Project film on my previous Polaroid, and again, it, it, the, there was something about it that just looked dreadful. Um, I'm not quite sure what it was. Perhaps it was me, or perhaps it was the camera. But with the iType black and white film, it's a, a brilliant, brilliant improvement, a vast improvement. Uh, the shots are nice and and uh, sharp. The contrast is just about right. Um, so yes, I'm I'm loving the black and white film, and I think based on just the three shots I've done, I'll probably be shooting more of the black and white eye type film than the color. But um, yeah, overall, I'm I'm quite happy with it. Um, I've posted a few things on Instagram. If anyone wants to have a look, my Instagram uh, Instagram username is CD Miller Photos. So yeah, do have a look there if you're interested. Um, other than that, I haven't really got much else to say about the, the camera. It's yeah, I think for 110 pounds, it's not too bad. Obviously, the the one setback is the film is quite dear. Um, the battery hasn't run out yet, and I'm struggling with what else to say about it. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this little review, and um, yeah, thanks to the Sunny Sixteen guys for letting me do this. And so it's a bit late, but you know, I'm I'm unreliable, I guess. All right, thanks. Bye. Okay, thank you very much for that call. Uh, great to hear that they're out there. Um, Rach, have you tried any of the new Polaroid film yet? I have, actually. Um, I uh, I went over to Manchester to um, go to the, the Real Camera Company. I don't know if you've um, have been over there much um, yourself, Thomas. Have you have you've ever been along to the Real Camera Company? No, I haven't uh, they're very cool. Uh, if if you're ever needing help or assistance with um, uh, older vintage cameras or anything film film wise, um, they're a, a, they have a wealth of knowledge. And uh, I took along my slightly sad looking SX70 because uh, I was going to try and get it fixed because for whatever reason it didn't seem to be wanting to work. Um, and I bought a new pack of the Polaroid Originals uh, film to uh, to put in it. Uh, unfortunately, it turns out it's actually the shutter. Um, so th there seems to be no actual connection between when you press the shutter button and actually doing something. Um, uh, so yeah, I know. So it's now a very sort of expensive, um, pretty ornament, which is which is like the ultimate against everything that I, <laughs> I hold dear. Because I'm always like, you know, old cameras. Just because we stop using them doesn't mean they stop working. So let's get them all out and get them used, and um, you know, and kind of like back into use. And so this is unfortunately um, one that I might not be able to fix. Um, I was talking to the, the chaps there about it, and they said 
there's probably only a couple of people in the in the country who who fix them and uh it's obviously quite inhibitive the uh the cost uh of doing that so yeah it's uh so i was a bit sad about that so i swiftly took my film back out of the out of the camera and thought well there's no point in going to waste i'll use it in the instant lab instead because <laughs> uh, the good thing is that that actually still works in the in the instant lab so uh, so i did manage to get some some shots out of that as part of the um, the teen maker workshop that I did, so uh, so at least it went to good use and uh, and it actually came out really nicely because um, the the previous pack that I'd had in there was actually some old expired film and I wanted to see how that came out and uh, what was interesting was that halfway through the workshop it, uh, that pack ran out. So I put the other one in um, and the colours and everything that you got out of it were very, very different um, with the uh, with the Polaroid originals. So I've not put it through an actual like my old 600 or anything um, and shot it with with an old Polaroid camera. But I've shot it through uh, through the instant lab uh, and I could see a difference between that and the Impossible Project film that I was using previously. So, yeah. So when you say Sorry, you I'll be looking forward to uh, seeing that. Mm, uh, definitely, definitely saw a difference. Um, a difference? Like I say, with it being uh, better, yeah, better. Um, well, when I say better, I mean, that's all, you know, subjective, isn't it? Um, but I mean, better in that the colours seemed truer um, to uh, to actually what they were supposed to be rather than a kind of like hazy dreamy um representation of the impossible project film so if that's the look you're going for then you know obviously we're moving a little bit further away from the impossible look more towards the sort of slightly more reliable colors i think um so uh, so yeah I'll, I'll need to actually put it through through a proper camera though um to to give you a better a better rundown of that <clears throat> Cool. Well, thank you very much, Cole, for taking the time to get back in touch with us and send us in that little mini review there. Uh, it's great to hear that the cameras are out there and um, that they seem to be, well, kind of what we'd hope they would be. You know, I know they're plastic lumps, but they seem to be well-made plastic lumps. And it's really heartening to hear that the film um, is going to fulfill more people's um, ideas mm -hmm. of what instant film should be like than did the impossible film did because you know like i said i know there were people who certainly liked that look but not everybody did um thomas have you ever had any instant film displays in the gallery is that a thing that's been done i'm trying to think if you have any other um instant film displays that we certainly worked with the impossible project like uh, how many years back like five years back and they sponsored another light night actually and like supplied us with absolutely loads of uh, packs of impossible mm -hmm. film Paper, yeah, which is a, that's which well good fun. <laughs> um, yeah, we had um, Robert Heineken. That's right, we had Robert Heineken, the um, Lessons in Posing Subjects, and he shot most of that through um, Polaroid, which was uh, good fun to see. I did enjoy yeah. that. Very cool. There is just something absolutely delightful about instant film. Um, uh, it's worth following up briefly just on um, the one thing Emma and I talked about last week, which was the uh, Instax Wide Mono, which, um, Rach, <laughs> you said you're quite excited about. I'm so excited about this. I'm really, I can't wait. Um, I immediately went online. I was Googling for it. I was like, come on, where's, where am I going to get my first pack of Instax um, monochrome wide? Couldn't find it. It just doesn't seem to be around yet. Um, I think you mentioned, Graham, that it's over in the US at the moment, but I don't think it's made it quite as far as the UK yet. So um, I'm waiting on tender hooks at the moment for that. Can't wait to get my my. Um, sticky paws on that and uh and yeah get shooting yay <laughs> yeah it, it's 
it's bizarre. Um, here we are a week later and still <laughs> no actual announcement about Instax-wide monochrome film, despite the fact that it is on sale in Best Buys in um, the US, um, but nowhere else by the looks of it. Uh, no announcements anywhere of any cameras. Um, I know M has his conspiracy theory that this could be the foreshadowing of some new camera, perhaps in the likes of Leica, um, that will use the uh, Instax-wide format, but no sign of that. The only thing that has appeared recently recently in the last week from Fuji is a new, I think it's the SP3, uh, the latest in their range of um, printers, uh, and that uses their square format film. So um, that's out there if that's a thing that uh, is of interest to you. I'm sure Aid would be waxing lyrical about it. Fortunately, he no here, so we can move straight on from that. Um, we are going to take another quick break and then we'll be right back with your emails. We have, as always, a lovely selection of emails from you fine people. So, Rach, do you want to kick it off with one from Dan Smith? Yep. Uh, Dan starts with greetings, sunbeams, which I think is so lovely. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to that over the last couple of weeks, even though obviously I've not been on the show. Hearing the uh, greetings, sunbeams has been so nice. Uh, Thank you for starting that, Graham. It's all your fault. Um, Dan said, I just had to email you. Someone at work just used the phrase brouhaha. That's only the third time I've heard it used in real life. I had to proceed to tell him all about the Yashika brouhaha and the brouhaha in your reader's letter. He made his excuses and left. <laughs> Thanks for the laughs. <laughs> um, I, I did actually think I should I should mention um, to Dan that when I heard Aid and yourself talking about that, I sent you guys a message saying I'm literally walking past a poster for the Brouhaha Festival that is run in Liverpool like every year. Um, so, yeah, there's actually a festival here called the Brouhaha Festival. Um, and I uh, couldn't believe it that uh, you guys were talking about it. So uh, clearly Dan has uh, has managed to uh, scare off somebody else as well. <laughs> <laughs> Brouhaha is clearly just in the zeitgeist at the moment. Um, well, thank you for that vital piece of information, Dan. It's always good to hear from you. <laughs> the next email is from new emailer, Ed Worthington. Ed writes, Hi guys, I decided to go with the generic guys rather than names as you can never tell which of you is going to be on any particular episode. Smart move. Although, you know, Sunbeams is a good safe one too. Um, <laughs> thought I'd email in as I've been a listener for a while and Graham said on the last episode, if you're bored of hearing the same people's emails get read out every week, email in yourself or something to that effect. I think it pretty much was exactly that to that effect. I'm quite straightforward <laughs> with these things. Um, by the way, Graham, you coped very well with having to deal solely with a wild M on your own, a feat I doubt many people are a match for. Well, that's, that's very kind. I think uh, I was lucky that M was clearly at an energy low ebb. Um, he was not sounding very well, bless him, although that could be something to do with the 100 Rothmans a day he smokes. I don't know. That, that may be related to that. Um, anyways... My name is Ed, although I go by the pseudonym The Six Million P Man online. As many years ago, just like The Six Million Dollar Man, I was rebuilt, albeit for much cheaper and on the NHS, after a nasty incident. I've been shooting film for probably the best part of three years now, maybe more, I can't remember the exact date, sharing my images on my blog, Twitter and Instagram etc. for around two years. 
check me out at the links in the email signature below. Uh, although I think we may already follow them on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, hopefully I'm soon thinking of sharing them in a zine slash book as well. So my question to you guys is, uh, oh, actually, Thomas, you might have some good thoughts on this uh, as mm. a displaying and that kind of thing. Um, how would you go about publishing your images in a small production run book or zine? Uh, I'm talking, what would you use to do the mock-up software-wise and how would you then go about creating it into something physical to give to people in the real world? Anyway, I love the show and really look forward to hearing from you guys. See, guys again. Kind regards, the 6 million P-Man. Um, and uh, his website is the 6 million P, that's just the letter P, man.com, uh, twitter.com slash 6 million P photos, and Instagram, the 6 million P-Man. So check out Ed's work there. Um, thank you very much for getting in touch, Ed. Uh, I am very glad that somebody did take up the, the cry of, if, you, if you're bored of hearing the same people email. Um, so... Zines. Uh, do you guys have some thoughts on this or advice you can offer to Ed? I was, I was going to say actually, he should probably get in touch with um, Angela. This is Jella um, on on Instagram because um, she she put out a really lovely um, zine recently. She gave me a copy when she came over from uh, from Canada. Um, hers is De Pinsel, D E R P I N S E L. Um, so you could check it out there. And actually, I took it into the Open Eye Gallery and showed Charlotte at the Open Eye, um, and she said, um, you know, you guys are. Are always interested in that kind of thing so um for ed i think if you got in touch with angela i'm sure she'd be able to give him some hints and tips about how she went about putting together her first zine book that kind of thing make it into a physical product but i know that you guys at the gallery uh thomas you're you're keen on you know sort of like having having good quality zines and works in the shop area yeah definitely we love having um kind of like artists driven projects in the area and we've got a special bit for zines and photographer made works local photographer made works anyone's photographer made works um it's it's great just like taking your work to an output is so important it's one thing to have a bunch of images um well first off in your head and then on a kind of sd card and then on the computer but just getting them into some kind of physical shareable kind of media is is wonderful um and then do you have any tips yeah. yeah as to how to actually put it together <clears throat> it depends on what you can do and how much money you've got uh, so if you can use illustrator use illustrator for the layout um, and if you've got money take it to a kind of a, a printers that you know and talk to them about having um you know nice paper or a paper stock that you like whether that's like a nice kind of semi-matte or something like that and then whether it's black and white or color how many pages you want i mean it, it can be you know, it can be it can be from like using Word with a landscape format, and then sort of sticking your images on there and some really easy text. Then printing it out on like a color laser and photocopying it if you just want to make ten copies to just really quickly give out to just you know asking Hobbs to print it, or then you know it, it totally depends on your budget and what you can do. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 yeah, strong advocate for taking it into a into a finished piece, definitely. Do you have many zines in the gallery at the moment? Yes. <laughs> We've got like boxes of zines knocking around. Come in and check them out. I mean, the most, uh, I don't even know if it class, like, classes as a zine anymore, but Cafe Royale 
absolutely amazing like set of images from some of the greatest photographers documenting the the northwest development in photography and they're they're so affordable and accessible and like this really beautiful finished product it does seem and we we, we started off this year by saying this is 2017 um because it does seem like the zine has become almost the ideal delivery method for people who want to as you are saying just get to the end product point with your photos have them actually out there in the world and a selection of them that you've chosen and crafted and put together into a thing the zine is kind of the perfect format for that um because the scope of it and the cost of it and all can be so flexible so it can fit with almost anybody's budget and desires and stuff and um yeah yeah. i mean it's you know, and we, we've, we've worked with photographers who we've first seen through zines kind of thing and people have come to events and they've like said, look at the zine and then we've, we've moved through to working with them on exhibitions and or, yeah, we're always open to, to holding kind of zines in the shop for people. It's, it's great. It's a lovely way of communicating. Awesome. Uh, Rach, do you want to take this last one from our wonderful ever-present buddy, Andrew Bartram? Yes, it's lovely to hear from Andrew again. Uh, good day, Sunbeams. Wow, even posher. Um, he says, really interesting episode with M. Watch out, Aid. Ooh. Um, I was pleased to hear the update on Silbera Indiegogo as I had just backed one of the Pan 120 packages. Um, I'd shared the crowdfunder widely on social media and largely had a pos- positive response. One bit of feedback that wasn't so positive suggested that we shouldn't back this sort of new entry, but give our cash to existing players like Ilford, for example. Uh, A similar analogy would be why use expired film when we should concentrate on current film producers, use them or lose them. I have my own view on it, but thought it might prove an interesting discussion between you all. Keep up the great work, says Andrew. There we go. So, so uh, Graham, thoughts? Any thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Who me? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, you. <laughs> yes, I, I certainly do. Um, I, I'll be honest. I kind of think that's a bonkers attitude to have. I, I know this isn't Andrew saying that. This is how he feels about it. That he's just reporting back feedback he's had. Um, yes. No, I mean, for one thing, when we talk about like the current film producers, I mean, Ilford is kind of the one big reliable stable one that we have um you know kodak seems to have shored itself up now but for, there was a while when it looked as though kodak might just go away fuji is going away no matter how much money we throw at them um and then the scale drops off drastically um and you know the the big companies the ilfords and the kodaks th- this these new entries from Silbera and Ferrania and Berger are, are not going to threaten them. In fact, if anything, the more companies there are getting involved, it's actually better for the industry, for them, because it just paints a far more positive picture, which is far more um, inviting to people who might think, well, should I get involved? Um, because if people look at it and all they see is, oh, well, there's hardly anybody making film anymore, why start down the road on a hobby that might just peter out completely because nobody's mm-hmm. making it in a few years' time? Um, as opposed to, oh, you can have this film or this film or this film. Um, and it, as I think I saw one reply on on Twitter, somebody saying, oh, you know, 
I, I like my Tri-X. That's fine. You know, nobody's saying that um, you have to switch over and, and shift to a new type of film. No one's saying that at all. Um, th- there's room for all of these things. And more so even than this necessarily being about, well, is this a new film that's going to replace what you're shooting? For me, it's more about, oh, no, this is, this is somebody coming into the market who is going to um, just hopefully be another sturdy support in the ongoing resurrection of what was a fairly decimated um, community. Um, what do you think, Rach? Um, I think it, it's, you know, it's self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? It's like if you see more people shooting with film, then therefore, as you said, it, it shows a more positive, um, you know, sort of out out put in general and encourages more people to therefore want to shoot with film and uh, and and invest in a healthy market um similarly if if you know if it's if it's restricted to um just the one or two uh, bigger suppliers then you know they're going to go well you know maybe there isn't that interest in in the market and perhaps we should scale it down so therefore we end up with less uh, less choice and uh, and things become a lot weaker so i'm all for there being more people out there investing in this and investigating it and trying new things out um and you know there's lots of different people who make cakes (laughs) you know it's the same with film there's there's all sorts of different ingredients that go into it the ways that um you know the output that you get from let's say japan camera hunters new film is going to be very different you know uh from something that you might get from from kodak and and obviously andrew mentions uh, the analogy of using expired film um, or should we concentrate on current film producers? Um, I mean, the thing with expired film is you might want to do that for a very specific project or I, I would say for, on obviously on a personal basis, um, I might use that for something, you know, just sort of like a one one roll of 24 frames. Uh, but m- the vast majority of the time, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, I'm going to be buying new film so I really enjoy shooting with expired film but it just ha- so happens if if I find it you know in a in a an old bag when I'm buying an old camera or something I'm like oh that looks interesting I'll give that a go at some point um but it's never that I would necessarily seek out expired film over new film uh it was just if it happens to come along then I'll use it and be interested to see what the results are um but that's not to say that you should be like no ban or use ban using all expired film because you don't know what you might get from it and that's that's part of the fun and part of the uh, the joy uh, the joy of that and i don't think that necessarily takes away from um you know um buying new film because if you if you're an analog shooter and if you're interested in those kinds of things you're going to be you're still going to be buying film anyway uh, no matter what i don't think there's going to be enough expired around that you can easily get your hands on uh, to sort of like satisfy your appetite so uh, you're still going to be buying new film as well um what do you think Graham? <clears throat> yeah I, I think the analogy uh, the, the sort of comparison with expired film i i because i know that a few people have said that they are going to stop shooting expired film and concentrate on shooting new film and I, I mean i can absolutely see the merit in that because you know that's they are going to directly affect the sales of companies that mm-hmm. are selling film now. Expired film, no no film manufacturer is benefiting from expired film because it's all out there. It's all already been sold. So, um, But, I mean, as well as you said, Rach, it's a finite resource. It's going to go away. If you enjoy shooting expired film, shoot it. Um, it's not going to have that much of an impact on the manufacturers. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it is about... 
it's about our um, community. It's about it's about film photography as a whole, and competition is not a bad thing. The the more mm-hmm. the more players that there are involved, we are so far away from being in a position where you know there are too many people making film. It's just not going to work, especially not when places like um, Silbera are such small concerns. They don't need to make the kind of money that Ilford and Kodak and Fuji need to make to survive. They just need to get going. So they're not looking to get a huge slice of the pie. Um, I suppose it's probably worth updating on that, actually. So uh, the um, Indiegogo campaign for Silbera went live last week, and um, it's been a slow start with it. There's no getting away from that. They're looking to raise... um, $115,000 $115,000 and so far they are only up to $11,600 um, and you know that's a bit disappointing um, especially given how much money the Yashica whatever the hell that thing was called oh, raised in, um, <laughs> and you know and it's difficult I mean I, it's the end of the month so a lot of people are broke and um, it's I don't know I don't know why it's not Lots of people are showing it, but there's there's 257 backers so far. That's a really small number by any metric, um, and I'm surprised because it's not it's not like it's a big ticket item to get involved in. Um, I think you can most of the packages that they have are fifteen like fifteen dollars plus shipping and I know that I, I've been through it and it's the shipping to the UK is eight dollars so I don't know what that turns out into in real money but you know that's for a couple of rolls of film all right it's an expensive couple of rolls of film um but Christmas is coming and um you know I I we're not getting kickbacks or anything from still bear or anything like that um but it's something that I want to see succeed um and and I hope they can get some more oomph behind it. Uh, and I would I would love to actually hear from people um, who do have reservations about backing um, this. Why they're not keen to? Is it because they just don't see the value in adding another film to um, the roster when there's already been so many new ones come out this year? Um, is it because the particular products that they brought out just aren't appealing? Um, what part of it is it that's stalling out the um uptake on this um because yeah you know it's it looks like they're going to really struggle to hit their goal fortunately because it's an indiegogo campaign and not a kickstart campaign any money that they do raise they keep so if you are thinking well i'd like to back it because i'd like to get some of this film but there's no point because they're not going to hit their targets i won't get it that's not how this will work um they if you back it and supported the extra film, you will get that film because they will get their money. If they only get half of it, they will get that half of the money and you will get the film that you have backed for. So at least take heart in that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope it gets more um, uptick. It's, it's, an, it's just a bit depressing, as Anne was saying last week, when you see how much attention um, very frivolous stuff gets and then... Uh, slightly more meaningful things to the film community uh, don't do quite so well, uh, but there you go. Thomas, uh, do you have any thought? Do you have any thoughts on it, uh, Thomas? <clears throat> yeah, the diversity of resources thing is um, seems apt, doesn't it? The more stuff available, the more you can enjoy kind of trying different results, different finishes, and like you say, Graham, as long as it's yeah, 
as long as the other film manufacturers are going to stay secure and they're not going to sort of be losing out. Same with expired film. Just just enjoy, <laughs> just have, have fun with it and enjoy using it. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying looking at the or I'm looking at the Indiegogo Silbera page at the moment. So I guess they're like a quarter of the way through the campaign with only ten percent of the um, the raised on there. But yeah, that's a good difference between Indiegogo and Kickstarter, and it's flexible so that you're you know they'll they'll scale accordingly i suppose given how much they raise yeah. fingers crossed the beginning yeah, of next mm. paydays i think it really shows um how what it's made me very aware of is how much of a bubble we can live in because if you look at the the twitter sphere that we're in and and the same on instagram there's been so much talk and so much buzz about this um there's loads of retweeting loads of people talking about it but actually that's a really small number of people and it's just constantly going round and round and, and getting it to crack out of that and getting it to a wider audience um is very difficult like with anything getting it out there for people to see i mean until better at being really proactive uh engaging with anybody who wants to engage with them um so you know if you've got any questions about it, get on twitter or get on instagram and just ask them because they'll absolutely get back to you very quickly i don't think they ever sleep over there um but anyway we will keep an eye <laughs> it's incredible shot on that silbera that, that portrait is wonderful lovely portraits who like get out there and just like shoot on a bunch of experimental silbera images and start like blogging or tweeting about it over the show yeah no there's there's yeah the um the jammy york um uh portraits are just stunning just absolutely beautiful um yeah well worth checking out regardless um grim i had a thought about the whole like expired film new film uh thing maybe if you i don't know like maybe i would say a commitment that uh for every role of expired film I shoot I buy one from a new manufacturer or something like that you know it's just kind of like a nice way of balancing that out so it means that you get a chance to still shoot with expired film but you're still investing in that industry and I just thought that might be quite a nice way of looking at it it's sort of like a buy one get one free <laughs> well get one free buy one <laughs> it's, it's like the um if you cut a tree down plant one for the future. If you shoot a roll of expired yes. film that no one's getting any money for, buy a roll of film so that the companies are still there in the future. You can exactly. keep hold of that roll of film until it becomes expired, but just keep buying exactly. it so that you'll always have a supply of film to enjoy for the future. Uh, yeah, Thank good plan. You, That's a much better way of putting it, but that was my plan, yeah. <laughs> I like it a lot. Well, that's us done for this week, I think. Um, Thomas, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what If yep. people come to the Open Eye Gallery right now, what can they expect to see going on? Um, Culture Shifts Local, our current exhibition, which uh, yeah grows the space of photography for people to work in. It's, it's great. There's a huge amount of different styles of photography, challenging different ways to engage with society through photography vinyls blue backs phenomenal portraits of the granby residence by andrew jackson there's a lot happening come on in and have a look wonderful stuff and whilst we're talking about people's um the shows going on uh, i very nearly forgot but didn't um i want to give a shout out to two wonderful past guests on the show so um the first one is tina rowe who has got some of her work being exhibited this is some of the work um 
she took of her mother's home, her pinhole work of her mother's home. And this is on display at, um, this is the Random Artists Present Home, a free week-long arts festival, which is going on uh, at the Exfed, which is on 199 Ede Road in London. But if you go to, uh, I think it's just Random Artists Present Home on Facebook, you will find all the details there. And that's running from the 28th of October to the 4th of November. And also, um, we mentioned last week, uh, Rob Hawthorne has got his uh, show coming on. And I'm just going to double check the dates on that again, um, because I'm very bad at remembering stuff. Um, this is the photo scratch. This is happening on Monday, the 6th of November. And Rob did actually say where it is. So that's at the Four Corners Gallery at Bethnal Green in London. These are both two London shows. Um so if you are anywhere near either of those places, um, do check them out. As I said, the photo scratch event is one where you're encouraged to go and actually give feedback on the photos there. So that sounds really cool. If anybody out there listening does go to see either of those shows, please do let us know what they're like, because I would really love to go and see them, but I can't because I'm not in London. And that will do us for this week. I want to say thank you, as always, to the wonderful Chris at Pixelated Photographer um, who uh, repaired our podcast feed when it broke last week. Chris is great. Chris is kind of the entire reason that this podcast is out there. Um, we don't generate any revenue whatsoever obviously uh, and yet somehow the podcast keeps going out and that is entirely thanks to chris and his kind generosity so you know if anybody feels inclined he's at crazy fruit bat on uh twitter and instagram and just you know tweet him and say thanks chris we, we appreciate what you're doing because <laughs> I, I sure as hell do um thank you also to rachel will um your lovely band will have the music back this week after <laughs> after a oh, diversion last so week um, oh, I realised right. actually somebody had said, hadn't they, that they couldn't find us on Spotify. Um, that's because it's on Amazon or iTunes. So there we go. That, there you go. That'll be why. <laughs> uh, and your latest album is called What, Rachel? It's called Promises I Should Have Kept. Splendid. And when's the new one coming out? Uh, 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Good, <I'll... laughs> Glad We've got quite a back catalogue so uh, you can you can look for for the back catalogue um right. as well um but also on twitter and facebook at roja musica which is r-o-j-a-m-u-s-i-c-a awesome uh you can find us at sunny 16 podcast on instagram twitter facebook Flickr, everywhere and if you want to email us uh, like everybody did this week especially like ed worthington did this week if you are uh, somebody who hasn't emailed us before and you were inspired by ed's um sterling example email us at sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com uh that will do it thank you so much everybody for listening rachel it's been lovely having you back Thomas, it's been lovely it's been having to be you back. here. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. it's been so good. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we will be back next week with more of something. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>